Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current study, The Gospel and Mental Health. In this four-part series, we'll look at what the gospel of Jesus can teach us about setting boundaries, how to deal with anxiety and depression, and the importance of forgiveness. To watch any of our previous messages online or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy! Well, good morning, everybody here in the building, as well as those of you online. We're glad you're here. Today, we're going to be talking about forgiveness. And if you paid any attention to the news this week, forgiveness has been a really hot topic, particularly if you still have some student loan debt. Now, we're not going to be talking about student loan debt today. We're going to be talking about biblical forgiveness, the kind of forgiveness that we need to be able to both receive and also be able to offer for maintaining good mental health. So uh, the topic of forgiveness can seem rather simple and easy to practice until you've been severely wounded by someone. And then forgiveness is no longer simple or easy. Lisa Turkhurst is the president of Proverbs 31 Ministry. She's a best-selling Christian author, and she writes this. Do you ever find yourself defining life by before and after a deep hurt? The horrific season, the conversation that stunned you, the shocking day of discovery, the stunning call about the accident, the divorce, the suicide, the wrongful death so unfathomable you still can't believe they are gone, the malpractice, the breakup, the day your friend walked away, the hateful conversation, the remark that seems to now be branded on your soul, the taking of something that should have been yours, the brutality unleashed on one that you love, the email you weren't supposed to see, the manipulation, the violation, the false accusation, the theft, the fire, the firing, the day everything changed, that marked moment in time. It's like you have your own personal BC and AD, which usually means before Christ and Anna Domini, but this dating then was intended to indicate a turning point in history, the birth, the life, the death and resurrection of Christ. But when we have our own personal lives marked by moments in our history, we can have our own BC, which would mean before crisis, and our own AD, which would mean after devastation. And then Lisa, in one of her books, tells her own story of betrayal by her husband who had an affair that ripped her world apart. And she very candidly walks through what she learned from God as she dealt with forgiving her husband for something she can never forget. Now, in her book, Lisa details what she learned about offering forgiveness. And today we're going to look at what God teaches us about offering forgiveness, but also about how we need to receive forgiveness. And we're going to start off with the Gospel of Matthew. Because in the Gospel of Matthew, the disciple Peter goes up to Jesus and he has a question for Jesus that I think all of us have at some point. And this is his question. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. So one scholar writes, you know, according to some Jewish traditions, a brother or a sister were forgiven 
up to three times for the same offense. The fourth offense, however, need not be forgiven because it would be evidence that that person had not truly repented. So Peter thought he was being extremely generous when he said, up to seven times, Lord? Now, the amazing generosity of God toward humanity is demonstrated in Jesus' response to Peter. This is what he says. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, among biblical interpreters, there's a little bit of an argument about the original Greek language here. Some of them says it says 77 times. Some of it says it says seven times 70 or 490 times. It's not the issue of the number of times. The issue that Jesus is getting at is that you need to continually forgive people. Because the reality is this, is Jesus came to inaugurate the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God does not operate like the kingdom of this world does. And as followers of Jesus, we are brought into the kingdom, and that's supposed to be the way we live our lives. Now, to illustrate his point, Jesus tells Peter and the rest of the disciples a story. And I'm going to read it to you, and I just want, to listen to, want you to listen to it. It's not going to be on the screen, uh, but it's, it's a story that, that's important. It's from the Gospel of Matthew. But again, just, just listen. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven, in other words, the kingdom of God, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought in. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back everything he owed. And after Jesus had finished telling the story, he turned to the disciples and this is what he said. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, because we're part of God's kingdom, because we're followers of Jesus, we're called to forgive like that. And Jesus drives this home time and time again. In the Sermon of the Mount, he says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And this teaching was carried forward 
by the disciples as they took the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to the rest of the world. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes this, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, we're talking about offering forgiveness, but before I get to how that really applies to our life, for our own mental health, we have to talk about receiving forgiveness. Receiving and accepting forgiveness are essential parts of being a follower of Jesus. It requires that we admit that we are sinful people and that we are incapable of saving ourselves from our own sinful behavior and the penalty that our sins deserve. Now, occasionally I meet somebody who will say something like this. Well, Clark, you don't know what I've done. God could never forgive me. While, while I can empathize with someone who is grappling with, with the immense gravity of their past sins and, and who grieves the damage that their sinful actions have done, I can't agree with that sentiment because God has never said he won't forgive us. God has told us he will forgive us. And that's the reality. He will forgive our sins of course, I suspect there's somebody out here this morning that says, wait a minute, what about that thing called the unforgivable sin? Well, let me, let me just pause for a moment and talk about that. This is what Jesus said. This is where we get the concept of the unforgivable sin. In the Gospel of Matthew, he writes, I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. Now, wow, that is heavy. What, explain that. So, first of all, I want you to note this, that, that whatever you've been told the unforgivable sin is, it's very clearly stated here by Jesus that the unforgivable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So if you've been told murder or suicide or anything else is the unforgivable sin, that's not it. So what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Well, well scholars point out that basically this, and this is the reason why Jesus says that sinning against the Son of Man, meaning him, can be forgiven. He says, listen, when you've been presented with who Jesus is, the truth of who Jesus is, what he has done and what he's come to, and you refuse to believe it, uh, that can be forgiven. But, but once you know who he is, once you've been told who he is and what he's come to do, and then you still reject it, that's Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit has told you about Jesus. What's been presented to you. You've heard the truth, but now you've rejected the truth. So that's what that is. And Jesus just deals with it with great brevity. And so that's all I'm going to deal with it, with great brevity. But let's, get, let's go back to talking about receiving forgiveness. The reality is this, is that forgiveness is an essential part of becoming and being a follower of Jesus. No one can be saved for eternal life without being forgiven of their sins. The Apostle Paul describes why we need to be forgiven. He writes, When you were dead in your sins 
and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So Paul points out that there are two things that reveal our sinful guilt. He says we were dead in our sins. In other words, we were spiritually dead because we were living in sinful behavior. And when he talks about this uncircumcision of the flesh, he's not talking about the physical act of circumcision. When he talks about the flesh, he's talking about the opposite of being spirit-led. He's talking about being led by our sinful fleshly nature. And so what he's talking about here was that we need to have that part of our lives, that sinful area removed or, or cut away from our lives. And so when we're living in the uncircumcision of our flesh, we haven't dealt with our sins. So the big idea is that we are dead spiritually because of our sinful state in our lives. But then he tells us that God made us alive by what Christ did for us. And, and how did he make us alive? He forgave our sins. Notice how Paul describes forgiveness. Through Christ, he writes, God canceled our legal debts that that we owed as a payment for our sins. These sins that were known by God stood as a witness against us and they condemned us. But when God forgave us through Jesus' death on the cross to pay our debt, Paul says that God took our debts away. And he paid them through the nailing of Jesus to the cross, through his crucifixion. You see, Jesus became literally our sin and took the punishment that we deserved for our sins. This is what we need to know. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. And Jesus paid our debt that he didn't owe. And that's how we are offered forgiveness. But I want to be clear about something. God's forgiveness isn't something you accept. Like, say, when you go to the theater and, you, and they give you a program. So th- this summer, Cynthia and I went into Broadway and we went and saw the musical Hamilton. And we went in, they, they, the ushers gave us programs. And, and truthfully, I, I glanced through the program a little bit as I'm waiting for the show to start. And, and then I put it down. Left it there, never picked it up again. Why? Because it wasn't important to me. But we can't treat God's forgiveness that way because it's monumentally, it's, it's, it's a bazillion times more important to us because it changes how God sees us and it changes our eternal destination. And because of all that, it changes our life. So if accepting God's forgiveness in Christ didn't change your life, then you really didn't accept God's forgiveness in Christ. You didn't really become a follower of Jesus. Now let me explain. When Peter preached about salvation through Jesus, people asked what they had to do To receive that forgiveness and to receive eternal life. And this is how Peter replied. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. 
So what Peter tells people to do will be life-changing if they do it. It it will change their eternal direction and destination of of their life, and it will change how they live from that moment forward. So let's unpack this a little bit. So he says, repent. Well, well, to repent means that that you have to admit you're a sinner. It means that you're going to turn around from your sins. You're going to go the other way from your sinful behavior. It means that you're going to do the things and live the ways that no longer offend God because God is righteous. So to repent means you acknowledge that you can't pay the penalty you owed for your sins. And so in your indebtedness, you need someone to help you. So when you're repenting, you're saying, I'm a sinner and I need to be forgiven. And you're also saying it's going to change your life. And that becomes more clear in the second thing that Peter told those people that they had to do. And that was be baptized. Now, to be baptized for a follower of Jesus is the first step of obedience in following Jesus. Jesus taught his disciples to baptize people in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit so that people could indicate to the world that they had been forgiven of their sins by trusting Jesus uh, as their Savior, and now they were going to follow him. And to follow Jesus means you're going to obey his teaching. It means you'll stop doing things your way, and now you'll start doing things Jesus' way or God's way. And that's why I said accepting God's forgiveness in Christ, if it didn't change your life, then you didn't really accept his forgiveness. And if if it didn't change your life, then you really didn't become a follower of Jesus. Now, Now let me say something about baptism. You know, when you read through the Bible, you'll see two important things about baptism. People were baptized only after they professed that they believed in Jesus and accepted his forgiveness for their sins. So in other words, they had to be old enough, have enough mental cognition abilities to be able to say, I believe in Jesus and I want to follow him. So in other words, babies and very young children weren't baptized. The second thing you'll see is that baptism was by immersion. Now, the apostle Paul makes it clear that being immersed in water and being raised up out of the water is symbolic. First of all, it's symbolic of our old way of life, that we, we die to it and that we're buried under the water. That old life is gone. And then It's symbolic that being raised up out of the water is being raised to a new life, forgiven and following Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus and and you've never been baptized by immersion, truthfully, that's a step of obedience that you've missed. He's not going to hold that against you, but you need to be faithful and follow him. So if you've never been baptized by immersion, I'd love to talk to you about that. You can send me an email or you can talk to me after the service. But here's the last thing that Peter said in that section. He said, after you believe and follow Jesus, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, why does he include that? Because whenever somebody becomes a follower of Jesus, God places the Holy Spirit into them as they become followers of Jesus. Now, the the Holy Spirit is is safe and friendly. It's not going to make you do crazy things. But the Holy Spirit is there to be our teacher 
our guide, our comforter. And so if you haven't sensed the Holy Spirit is there, number one, you need to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. But number two, you need to open your eyes to see and pay attention to that. Now, I've spent a lot of time talking about receiving forgiveness because we have to know that we need forgiveness and that we need to accept that forgiveness because it means we acknowledge that we're sinners and that means we need forgiveness from God throughout our lives. Because when we acknowledge we're sinners, it doesn't mean we stop sinning the day we decide to believe in Jesus. It just actually means we own up to the fact that we are. And the reality is, None of us will go through a day without sinning in our thoughts or our words or our deeds. And we have to deal with that. And God has given us a promise, and we find it in 1 John. It says this, if we confess our sins, he, meaning God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, and he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. That's why it's important for us as followers of Jesus to to make a daily habit, a regular habit of of asking God for forgiveness and and recognizing that we need that so that we can have a, a clean slate, so that we can be in a right relationship with God. And it requires that we examine our lives on a regular basis. Now, this is why it's important that we understand what forgiveness is and why we need to receive it, but we also need to talk about offering forgiveness. So let's transition into that. When it comes to mental health, offering forgiveness is important to us, not just spiritually, but also emotionally. Uh, This week I read in Psychology Today this statement, forgiveness is vitally important for the mental health of those who have been victimized. It propels people forward rather than keeping them emotionally engaged in an injustice or trauma. Forgiveness has been shown to elevate mood, enhance optimism, optimism, and guard against anger and stress and anxiety and depression. So amazing here. Here's a secular article saying that forgiveness is good for our mental health. So God understands that and that's why he's told us that we need to not just receive it but we need to offer forgiveness if we want to be healthy the way he created us to be. Uh, Dr. Jessica Sanderson and her colleagues at Urban Alliance write that when a person decides to forgive someone who has hurt or wounded them in some way that decision to forgive represents a person's decision to relinquish, this is important, to relinquish their perceived right to punish that person or judge that person or condemn that person or harbor anger or bitterness against the person who has wronged them. And additionally, we assert the truth that forgiveness goes a step further and it offers something positive such as Empathy and compassion and understanding toward the offender. So let's look at what the Bible tells us about offering forgiveness by choosing to forgive others. First of all, choosing to forgive is a command. Uh, The Bible, God's word, commands us over and over that we need to forgive others. 
We can't ignore that God's command is there to forgive others. In Ephesians, we read this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. Now, look, we should appreciate every time we see this, particularly in the New Testament, where we're supposed to forgive, it puts it in the context. We need to forgive others just as we've been forgiven by God. It should be a natural reminder. Oh, yeah, I've been forgiven much, so I need to also forgive others. When we remember how God forgave us, now, this is important. We shouldn't wallow in that grief and sadness that we have over our our past sins. It's important to remember them so that we remember how much we've been forgiven. But we need to remember this, that our sins are an offense to God. Uh, No matter how innocuous or how heinous they are, they're offensive to God. But once we confess them to God, we've dealt with them. And he will forgive us when we confess them to him. And he commands us to forgive others. The Bible also tells us that choosing to forgive is releasing that person from a debt that they owe us. Let's think back to Jesus' story about the servant who asked for mercy for his debt, but wouldn't give mercy to someone who owed him a debt. It's a reminder to us that forgiveness is about releasing others from the debt they owe us. And it could be a monetary debt that they've reneged on. It could be an offense that they've verbalized or or something that they've done to you physically. Again, Uh, Talking about this parable, Dr. Sanderson writes, once the debt has been counted, the person has to choose what to do with it. In this parable, we see that God calls us to forgive or to relinquish the debt. This is what the king does for the servant and what he expects the servant to go and do for others. Forgiving debt, she writes, involves relinquishing or giving it to Jesus. When a person gives debt to Jesus, they're acknowledging that He is the judge. They give up the right to punish, to judge, or condemn, and they let Jesus be in charge of that. Now, forgiveness can be quite challenging, and it requires sometimes the Holy Spirit, which has been poured into the hearts of every believer, to help us handle the emotions of forgiving and the thoughts and the actions so that we can get them all aligned up and so that we can forgive with genuine sincerity. We have to choose to release that person from the debt that they owe us. The Bible also tells us something else about forgiving. Choosing to forgive is freeing. When we choose to forgive, it liberates us. Literally, it liberates us. We let go of holding on to the offense. We no longer have to burn up emotional energy and angst and stress about what someone has done us. We no longer have to keep reliving in our minds what has happened to us. We can let go of it, and it liberates us. Holding on to a hurt in a way continues to let that person who has hurt you continue to hurt you over and over and over again. So in effect, there's a blessing that comes when we learn to be forgivers, 
We catch a glimpse of this in what Jesus said. In the Gospel of Luke, we read, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. So think about this. When we judge and condemn others, when we don't forgive others or won't be generous to others, we get so caught up in what we actually won't do that it holds us emotionally captive. When we won't forgive somebody else, we're held captive by what they've done to us. But when we don't judge, when we don't condemn, when we forgive, when we're generous, we're freed up emotionally and we find that we are blessed. So choosing to forgive not only blesses the other person, it blesses us. One last thing about choosing to forgive. Choosing to forgive doesn't mean you forget. If someone's hurt you, though you're commanded to forgive them, nowhere in Scripture are we commanded to forget. You know, sometimes people say, well, forgive and forget. That's hard to do. In fact, there's only one place in Scripture that talks about forgiving and forgetting, and it's about what God does for us. Listen to this word. God says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. When it comes to you and me and our sins, and when we ask for forgiveness to God, he will forgive it. And he'll remember it no more. If you were to ask God about your sin that you've been forgiven, he would say, what sin? Because God chooses to forgive it. But God does not require us to do that. I mean, the reality is this, is that some offenses can be easily forgotten. But some we will carry with us for the rest of our lives. And and honestly, that's just part of being human. In fact, sometimes... Those offenses that we thought we had forgotten can be triggered when something happens that reminds us of that. And we have to deal with it all over again. That's just part of the process of forgiveness and letting go. Sometimes it takes time and time again to do it. God commands us to forgive those who hurt us because God knows that ultimately it will help us. And it will bring us healing from the pain of offense. Forgiveness, then, is important for our spiritual lives, but also for our mental and our emotional health and and even our physical health. There's one last thing I need to say about forgiveness. When it comes to the fact, and we've talked about this, sometimes somebody may do something to us over and over and over again. And while we've already established through Jesus' conversation with Peter that, yes, we need to forgive them every time. There will come a time, an important time, and I talked about this a few weeks ago in this series, where we need to set up boundaries. You know, if somebody is verbally or physically or emotionally abusive to you, you should and you must set up a boundary that you'll no longer interact with them, that, that because of their behavior, you need to set that up. That protects you, and that says to them, this behavior will no longer be allowed in my life. It's something that we're called to do, and we've seen that that setting up boundaries are biblical, and it's appropriate to do that. Now, if you would like to know more about forgiveness and even look at how you can step into forgiving something or someone that's going on in your life right now, or how you can teach your children to be people who forgive, uh, I have 
put Dr. Jessica Sanderson's uh, and the Urban Alliance uh, resource on forgiveness on our website. And we want to encourage you to go there and check it out. Download it to a device so that you can keep it and refer to it. And, and along there, every week we've been putting resources in there so that you can find them. Uh, if you go to our, our website where it says wor uh, worship and resources, you'll find those there. And I want to encourage you that if you're looking for uh, a list of counselors that I use to refer to, you will also find that list there. Why? Because our emotional health is just as important as our spiritual health. And we need God to work in our lives. Now, I want to close in a time of prayer. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. But, you know, one of the things that I, that I said earlier today may have caught your attention. And I said this, if, if you say you've become a follower of Jesus, but it hasn't changed your life, you're, you're really not a follower of Jesus. And I say that in all love and sincerity, because the reality is this, is that we can give mental assent to doing and becoming a lot of things, but we're really not that thing until it is how we live our lives. And so believing in Jesus is not just something you say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. It's actually life-changing. Because believing in him means you'll follow him and his teaching for your life. And so uh, I do want you to walk in that forgiveness. But I also want you to know that you need to receive that forgiveness. And it will change your life. Why? Because you're deciding to follow Jesus. And so if you've never truly done that, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer today. And I want to encourage you. You can pray it silently where you are. And after I lead us all in that prayer, then I'm going to pray for all of us that we can receive God's forgiveness, and that we can forgive as we've been forgiven. So uh, I will say this. If, if you do pray that prayer for the first time, you know, let us know. There'll be folks up here, the prayer team, they would love to uh, give you some direction, uh, or you can send us an email, and we would like to put some resources in your hands so that you can grow in following Jesus each and every day. So if you would, bow your heads and let's pray. God, as we gather here today, we thank you for your forgiveness. It changes our lives. And for that person who recognizes today that they've really just given verbal assent to believe in, but that they haven't let Jesus be their leader and they haven't really started following him, or, or someone who's never done that for the first time, if, if you want to become a follower of Jesus, it does require that you tell him and that you start following in him. So you can start by telling him and... This is a simple prayer that you can pray to him. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. Just pray that silently. I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sins. And I believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. And today, by faith, I declare that I want to follow him for the rest of my life. And so we'll will in that part of our prayer. Lord, I pray for all of us that we can each and every day recognize that we are sinners who need your forgiveness. And we do confess our sins to you, Lord. Forgive us of our thoughts or in our thoughtlessness of our words that were spoken harshly or the deeds that have hurt others and hurt you. And Lord, I pray for each one of us, not only that we can receive forgiveness, but that 
we would have the courage and the strength to forgive those that have hurt us. That we would forgive as we have been forgiven. And I pray, Lord, that we can walk in obedience as part of the kingdom of God, your followers, loving and living and forgiving as you call us to. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.